this is one of the things that my dad taught me from a very young age is you plan the work and then you work the plan. What's up, everybody? My name's Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. What's going on, STR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani E. What is going on? My brother, so good to see you. Uh, life is good, man. This is my favorite time of the year. Went to the gym this morning, it was like 63 degrees, and you have to wear a hoodie. Uh, and the sun shining when you leave the gym. And I'm just, I don't know, man, feeling super grateful. Um, Close on a 29-unit syndication in Charleston, South Carolina last week. Uh, that is my first proper syndication with a syndication structure with a 506B. Uh, so exciting, you know, it's, it's you go through that. Um, I don't know if you remember Rock talking about this, but when you're like competently incompetent kind of thing, that whole yeah. like different stages of learning. Um, so it's always good to like, it's a learning experience. So you buying places and we bought places before, but buying it through a syndication with a syndication structure, which is really like our, our growth moving forward. Um, it's very interesting and some new partners and new rules and everything else. So it's, it's, it's good. You I know? love it. Are you guys doing long-term or short-term on those? No, long-term. So it's a, it's a typical C-class building. Rents are like 650 average. We can push them to like 1100 and, and just doing some basic lipstick kind of work. Um, and at the end of the day, man, like our passion is just buying real estate, right? Whatever. However, we make it work. So this particular area, North Charleston, it's not really a vacation rental spot, but going back to like, you know, all the years we spent kind of learning, you, you have all the tools in your tool belt now and you just look at it and you're like, okay, this doesn't need a hammer. This needs a screwdriver. And you just, yeah, you just I love it. Kind of take it down, you know? Um, so yeah, man, life, life is great. Launching a unit for, for a friend, uh, which kind of ties in perfectly because I know you're launching a unit um, soon, which is kind of what, made us think of this episode um how was orlando it was uh it was a very productive trip there was yeah. i was joking with my wife like we literally sat down for 10 minutes on the last day at the pool <laughs> for literally 10 minutes like it was just go 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 and that that's yeah. what we want to talk about on the podcast today um is what to do when you're under contract on a property in this case particularly like in a short-term rental property um where I'm going through it right now. You're launching a unit right now. So it's pretty fresh. So I took some notes. Um, but I get this question a lot in particular in um, the coaching programs that we have people like, okay, I got it under agreement. Like now what? Right. And we have all these checklists and stuff, but I thought it would be valuable for the listeners here to start to think through, okay, now I've got this property under contract. Now, what do I do? Right? Like, what should I be thinking about? What steps should I be taking? Like while I'm waiting for this thing to close. 
And so I like to break it down into three different buckets, right? So you've got the, the house, the team, and then the timeline. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that, you want to gather as much information for these three buckets. So for the house, while you're under contract, you got to schedule your inspection and appraisal. You want to get insurance quotes. Um, if you can visit the property, I want to go check out the property, go see it. Uh, I'm looking for like, how many closets does it have? Which sounds kind of random, but we need space to store supplies and linens and everything else. So I like to have at least one or two closets that I can lock off. Mm-hmm. In this case, ideally three, so then I can have my own owner closet. So when I go to visit, I can just leave a bunch of my stuff down there, right? So like how many closets does it have? What's the laundry situation look like, right? This property is a 10 bedroom house. There's two uh, laundry rooms, right? Because it's such a big house. But then at the same time, we'll get into it on the, um, on the team side of it, looking at the size of that house to try and do all that laundry, even with two sets of washers and dryers in that tight timeline, it's not happening. It's, Mm -hmm. it's just not going to happen. Right. So for me, logically, I'm like, okay, the size of this property, the way it's laid out, the number of people that it sleeps, we're going to need to outsource laundry for this. Right. So Mm -hmm. starting to think through some team stuff in a minute. Um, and then getting the floor plan and taking measurements. So if you can't get a floor plan, you just want to sketch it out on a piece of paper and literally bring a tape measure. Or I like to use um, a laser measure. It just goes way faster. You just put it against the wall and you can get dimensions really quick. Mm-hmm. So and that way, if you're going to design it yourself or you're going to work with a designer, you have a floor plan with accurate measurements. So you can start designing it while you're under contract. You don't necessarily need to order stuff, but like the second you're re- you you're confident that you're going to close. You want to order stuff because the supply chain issues that have been going on since COVID, a lot of stuff is out six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks. And so the faster you can get those orders in, the faster you can get up and running. Right. So those are some of the big things around the house. Also like this one has a pool. So like what are the regulations for pools? In this case, there's a little alarm button that you push on the door to open up the slider or you have to put another fence in. One of the things I noticed was that alarm button wasn't working. So like, that's something to look out for. So, mm-hmm. you know, what are the amenities there? Um, what's the floor plan look like? And just start getting as much info about the property as possible. I don't know if you want to add some stuff. as far Yeah, as like- I mean, a ton of stuff. Also, because what's, what's funny is that um, going back to, to how many hats you've, you have worn and what kind of tools you have, on your tool belt, right? I I look at this list, and and as a as a real estate broker, and as somebody that runs a team, right? I can think about all the different things. But this is why it's so important, especially on the house part at the beginning. You want to leverage your relationships there, right? Because like I am the person. So if you have a good real estate agent or a good real estate broker that works with you and is familiar with the space. I take care of half of the things that we were talking about, right? Like I'll schedule the inspection for you. I'll make sure that if we need contractors to come by and take a look at things, I coordinate all of that for you, right? So it's really understanding, obviously, like on the house, this is your chance to do your homework. And a lot of the times, especially down here in South Florida, for example, we have our inspection period, which is pretty common nationwide, which is your chance to really get into the property, take a look at it, estimate rehabs, estimate costs. And that's your chance also to walk away from a house if it is not what you thought it was going to be, right? 
um, it's also a great chance for you to start estimating like with, with your team, right? Let's say like my situation, and we had the situation is probably that we're launching now. There is no space. There is no closet, but there is space. So we build a closet, right? And all of that takes time. But if you start really going into the house at the beginning and you are involved or you have somebody that is in your team that knows what they're doing and how to help you, you can start kind of moving everything um, along and going back leverage, right? So if you leverage your real estate broker, it'll help you with the team. And then you have time because I think you should still take time as, as Mike's probably going to tell us as well, is like while you're there, like let's say you flew into town just to launch this property, you got to maximize your time. You got to meet people and you got to ask for referrals. And if you can find other local investors that are doing vacation rentals, those are some of the best referrals that you can get. And also in understanding like on the timeline side, what is the timeline for licensing? Because that is something that you can't start on until you close, but your speed to market is going to really depend on how good are you in understanding everything that is required on a timeline perspective to actually get a unit up and running. Because if you do everything else and then you close and then you start researching, well, how do I license this? Who do I call? What forms do I need? Et cetera, et cetera. You're adding time because then everything else is going to come at the same time. So having your plan properly laid out and, and my dad, this is one of the things that my dad taught me from a very young age is you plan the work and then you work the plan. And, and it's just, it's literally like you, you have to, like you have to, to plan the work and then you work that plan because if not, it's very overwhelming very quickly if you don't do that. So that's why I want to give them like a yeah. framework to start exactly. thinking Dude, through yeah. all these different buckets. Yeah. And the, um, and, the, and the unforeseeable happens even when you plan the work and work the plan, but there is a plan underneath it, right? So you have already done a couple moves ahead or you're already like, for example, for the licensing, right? You have already downloaded all the paperwork. You already filled out all the paperwork. So it's literally like, you know, they are closing. This goes in the mail. Done. Yeah. Done. You know? Exactly. And that's speed to market, right? Because I, I call it your free month, right? Because when you close on a house, let's say you close November 1st, you know, you have the free month to pay, to pay for the house, right? And, and it's just like, your goal is be live and get a booking before the first mortgage payment is due because that that makes all the difference because you are going to be probably putting the money for the furnishings and everything else out of pocket so if you can already offset that by hey by the time my first mortgage comes in i already had the booking and that booking paid for my first mortgage psychologically you're like dude i'm already winning like the place got done super fast and i already have money to cover my my mortgage hundred percent. So one other thing on just the house bucket, and I do, we'll talk more on the timeline. Yeah. That last section for sure is, um, I forgot my last note was the parking situation. So what does the parking situation look like at this property? Because depending where you are, parking might be tight or whatever. So that's something that you're going to want to figure out too. Mm -hmm. And then what's, what's the neighborhood look like, right? Like I drove around a lot while we were down there, just trying to get a feel for like what's close 
what's the area? How close is a local grocery store? How close is a gas station? How close is like everything? Obviously we're near Disney. So I want to know how close I am to Disney, but just getting a feel for the overall market while you're down there. Mm-hmm. Then we transition into the team bucket. So again, while I'm down there, I'm analyzing this property. Then I'm thinking through who am I going to need on my team to execute this plan? Like he was talking about, right? So one of the things that I wasn't planning on doing but when we got there, I noticed that the carpets were basically trashed. Like the, the place was rented long-term for a year. The person had a dog. There were like pee and poop stains everywhere. It reeked. So now I'm like, great. Now I need a flooring contractor to rip up all these floors and put in some vinyl planks. So I'm not dealing with this anymore. Mm-hmm. So while I'm down there, I'm thinking through first and foremost, cleaners, right? We've talked on episodes before we had a soft on a few weeks ago from turnover BNB. Like how do I find my cleaners? Put the add on turnover BNB. I get a bunch of bids. I interviewed those cleaners. They came to the property and met with me. And I know last week we talked a lot about interviewing cleaners, but just to keep it brief, I want to figure out one, how many properties are they cleaning? How many short-term rental properties are they cleaning? How big is their team? So will they have capacity to do this? Um, What's their quality control process? Like, is somebody coming back to review it? Are they getting photos? Like, what does that process look like? Can Mm -hmm. they do same-day turnovers? What's the laundry situation look like? If somebody comes into that place and they're like, oh yeah, we'll just do the laundry while we're here. It's a red flag for me. I'm like, there's zero chance you're getting all this laundry done effectively while cleaning this place during that tight window. Mm -hmm. And then do they provide supplies and toiletries and everything else just to get a feel for each of these cleaners? Then I'm looking for who are my handymen that can help with a lot of little repairs and maintenance or act as a runner and just get over to the property quickly. I'm looking for trades like electric, plumbing, HVAC, a painter, a designer. Um, And then while I'm there, I'm literally talking to everyone. So I'm trying to meet as many contractors and investors as possible. So we stayed, I wanted to be, I wanted to stay in that community and it's all bigger houses. So like Kristen and I stayed in a six bedroom house, which was way more than we needed. And I paid more than I needed to, but I wanted to stay in that house and stay at a super house house so I could pick their brain. So I got her cleaning company, her contractors, all of her contacts while I was there and met with her. Then I set a meeting with another investor that has 50 homes down there that my real estate agent set up for me because he knew the guy that he'd work with. So I'm meeting with this guy for two hours, picking his brain on the market and his contracts and everything else. Then anytime we're going to dinner, doing anything like at the resort, hey, you know, we're new to town. We just bought a property. Um, Do you know any, you know, really good uh, handymen that you've worked with around here? Literally asking everyone for different contacts while I'm down there. Mm -hmm. So it's just planting as many seeds, getting as many referrals as possible. And then if you strike out, then you can go to the sites like Thumbtack or Handy or whatever else. But I'd rather go with referrals. So like that whole trip, I'm analyzing the property, analyzing the market, but then I'm just farming for referrals the entire time, like yeah. the whole time while I'm there. Yeah. And, and the great things with, with going to, cause like, again, right. If you think based on how your mindset is, that would determine your choices when you go somewhere for logic. Right. So if your mindset is, I need to get to understand who I'm playing against going into somebody else's house. It's great for a couple of reasons. One, what Mike just kind of talked about, but two, same neighborhood, smaller house. That's that's 
that's your competition, right? So if you go in there, exactly. you can literally, before you even start buying your furniture, you're like, what is the expectation? Like, is this, oh, okay, I can buy a more comfortable bed than this. Okay, this is missing here. This is missing there, right? And you start really getting an idea of like, okay, how can I differentiate myself? And, and then- Something as simple as like their, their Wi-Fi routers, were set up inside their owner's closet. So like the internet didn't work for like three days. And then finally she just gave me the key to her owner's closet. So in my head, I'm like, all right, I want an electrician to move that. So if the internet goes out, the guests can easily reset it themselves and they don't have Correct. to get access to my owner closet. Right. So like exactly. those little details, because I spent the money to stay in that community, like those are invaluable. Those are going to save me time and headaches later. And if I just tried to go the cheap route and just get a hotel or a, a studio, for a night or two, right? Yeah, or or do that. I'm gonna sleep on the floor in my own Airbnb kind of thing because I need to work and hustle and and the whole hustler, yeah, the, the sick hustler mentality. What I call the sick hustler mentality is just like, come on. Um, and then the other thing that I was thinking about is John and I do this all the time when we go scope out um, big apartment complexes. Is we'll go locally. And we'll go to restaurants and we're like, what do you guys like doing here? You know, like what makes you live here? What's exciting about here? Especially if you're going to start creating a guidebook, which you should, but you don't know the area or you're not definitely with the area or as a tourist, you end up doing all the same kind of touristy stuff. All the locals that you meet are the perfect opportunity for like, hey, we want to go out. You know, you meet with the electrician. We want to go out for dinner. What's your favorite restaurant around here? And so that way you literally is like, how do I create or think about as many things as I need for my launching my property and hit as many of these buckets as I can at the same time, right? So ideal, as you're thinking about these three different buckets, right? The house, the team, and, and the timeline, you want to cross and think about how many of those you can hit with a single conversation. So you meet somebody exactly. for the house, can you find them or make them be somebody for your team to then help you with your timeline. And it's just literally like think business, think, think owner and resources. We want to have as many resources as we, as we possibly can. You want to create that spider web. So like if I'm meeting with a cleaning company, I'm asking them for referrals for contractors. And when I'm meeting with those other contractors, I'm asking them for referrals for other contractors and other cleaning companies. So you're just building this web of referrals. So then you can come back and start calling them and interviewing them to get all that set up, right? And then that last bucket, so we've had the house bucket, the team bucket, and then the last one is the timeline, like he was talking about. Like once you gather this information, then it's like, okay, what is my target launch date? And then I need to work backwards from that. So like for us, target is like mid-January, just trying to be realistic because we're building a bunch of custom stuff and doing all sorts of things. So it's we're a working big house. backwards now. Yeah, it's a big house, but yeah. also like, it's got a movie theater that we're, it's going to be sweet. We're making it look like you're sitting in like the Millennium Falcon. It's going to be like a whole uh, Star Wars yeah. thing. So oh, like, that's awesome. So like we found through referrals, somebody that worked at Disney and was on the team that built the Avatar um, ride or whatever, the Avatar park. So this guy is going to build a bunch of cool custom stuff for the house. So again, going back to the market research, when I'm analyzing my competition, the ones that do the best in Disney in particular, they have these amazing themed rooms. So I'm like, okay, how can I do that and level it up even more so that if 
even if it's slow season, I'm still going to get booked because I have the best product in that market. Mm-hmm. Right? So do, doing that kind of research, but then working backwards from the launch date. Okay. What type of renovation do I need to do? Let's get that done. And let's get the painting done. Then let's get those new floors in. Then let's do the build out with all the furniture and everything else and trying to work backward with those contractors to line them up so that it all lines up in that timeline. It's never going to be perfect. I promise you. We've done it so many times, but the more you can plan, like he was saying, the better it's going to get. And then going through that whole licensing and permitting process at the same time, just so that you have all those ducks lined up in a row to actually hit your deadlines. Yeah. Because also like, I understand like the the reason why you want to have the the complete plan ahead of time is because towards the end, if you make a mistake, that takes a long time, right? So, and what I mean by that is if you do all of the, all of the furnishings and then all of a sudden you like realize that one of the room doesn't, doesn't fit or the floor doesn't fit. You're like, I have to, we have to do the floor. Like we took the professional pictures and that room just looks horrible. And like, there is no, so all of those things you're like, I'm obviously talking about worst case scenario, but like, is the reality of things. And also like, you have to start ordering all the furniture because everything is taking so long, but also the furniture has to have somewhere to go. So you need to make sure that like you're ordering furniture, giving yourself enough time to get it. But also if you're redoing all the floors, where does the furniture go? Do you have a garage? Can you lock it in in the garage? Who's going to take, if you're not local, who takes delivery of all the stuff that comes? Is somebody going to go put all the stuff inside? So it's all those those little things that you're like, that's not going to matter. But at the end of the day, if you're spending $10,000 buying a bunch of furniture and then you just leave a couch outside overnight in Florida and it randomly rains, you just wasted money. Exactly. Or if you find later, like, oh, you know what? I'd, I want to add a pendant light in the kitchen after everything's done and painted and beautiful. Then you got to rip it out, have it replaced, then repaint it. So the order of things really matters when you start getting into the renovation side of things. Or like, I don't want all the furniture there and then have the painter paint. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's it's the stupid. reverse, right? So thinking yeah. through logically. So like for me, it's like renovation, paint, flooring at the end, and then go out and like put in all the furniture and everything else. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. that sequential timeline to be as efficient yeah. as possible. And, and, and I, I love adding, if I can, a cleaning between that. Right. So I love doing, if I'm doing a full rhino, like floors, painting, or if I'm like, especially painting, resending. So if I have like, if I'm filling gaps of holes or anything like that, and I'm resending, creates a lot of dust. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want you to put my brand new furniture in there until we've cleaned because then no matter what happens right if there's all the little dust as you're opening the ikea boxes or the whatever boxes and you're throwing them on the side all of that gets lifted all of that goes into the ac and then it's, it's all garbage like and then your house was freshly painted and you have all of these little particles of yuck everywhere mm-hmm. and you're just like why just clean it clean the entire house when you're done and then the house is completely clean then you bring all the furniture inside, then you build all the furniture, and then you re-clean after everything's done. Yeah, 100%. So just to, to recap those three buckets to think about while you're under contract, the first one is the house. Mm-hmm. Understanding everything about that house. And again, scheduling inspections, appraisals, getting insurance quotes, thinking through, making sure you get that floor plan with measurements so you can start the designing 
and at least like put the design together. So the second that you're confident you're going to close, you just start ordering stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we're very confident yeah. we're going to close. So like we already started ordering a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So like because of those supply chain issues, the faster you can do that, the better you're off you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the next bucket was the team again, cleaners, handymen, all the different trades, designer, yeah. and just talking to everyone to get referrals. So when you're talking to the contractor, you're asking for cleaner referrals or plumber referrals or electrician referrals or HVAC referrals every time over and over and over again. So that you have this little Rolodex that you can start going through mm-hmm. to line up contractors and ideally have multiple because they get busy. And unless you have volume, like a lot of units, they're going to have other projects. They're not just going to be working for you solely. So you want to figure out like, can they meet your timelines, which is the next bucket of like, okay, I need this, this, and this during these windows. Are you available? Right. So when you plan it out that way, it's a lot of work up front, but I promise you the peace of mind that I had when I left, when I had this Rolodex of contractors that I could work with, it's huge, especially when you're doing it halfway across the country, because I can't be there. So I need people on the ground that I can trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say in when you're in the team kind of bucket, realize that, I mean, if you're on this episode with us now, you, you know how much we emphasize leveraging technology. That's part of your team, right? So when you're walking around the house, understand, okay, what piece of tech will I need? Like what locks am I putting? Where am I putting them? Am I locking, am I putting this on all of the, all of the doors? Do I need ring cameras? How many do I need? Do I need one for the pool? Do I need one for the front? Do I need the ones for the side or not? Do I need noise aware? How many will I need, right? A, a 10 bedroom house does have multiple spots for people to sit down. So you put one there, one there, one outside. So understanding like all of the things, like you want to really put yourself through the situation of really walking through for your team and technology becomes part of, of your team. Because if, if not, you do all this setup and you put the smart locks on there and then your house is too big, the Wi-Fi is too far and <laughs> the Wi-Fi and the door don't talk to each other. And then what happens? 100%. Right? So, so really like really put yourself through the exercise and obviously give yourself some slack that if you are launching your first unit, it's going to take you longer. And that's the main difference between professional operators and newbies is literally the, the time to market, right? Because we have had people on the show, like Ryan comes to mind, right? Like Ryan and his team have it so ironed out that they pump out units, a couple units a week, right? And they're just, because all of their stuff is in boxes, everything is ready, everything is on the system. So obviously if you compare yourself to them, it's hard to hit it in the same way, but you can still plan the work and work the plan and create some, some real timelines for yourself and just try to try to hit those. Because already the contractors are going to also respect your professionalism if you have a timeline that you put them on. And then just a little note on, on contractors and why you need to, them to be referrals. Contractors interview very well. If you don't have a referral and you interview one contractor only for a specific trade, and you're like, this guy is great. And then he's just a good interviewer. And then you need him and you don't have, that's why you need also like second and third choices. Cause maybe that guy just interviews well. 
and then he doesn't doesn't pick up the phone or doesn't or the bill he never sends the bill the bill is wrong or he adds things so like make sure that you go the extra mile in in interviewing as many people as possible and even if you don't know what you're doing this is one of those moments that you just you just gotta fake it until you make it just ask questions be tough have checklists and and have even if you just have a checklist of the questions that you have to ask just so you remind yourself everything to ask for right like go through the episode see everything that you need to ask and it's better to over ask at the beginning and 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 at least seem annoying in a sense but at least you check all your boxes you cross everything and that at the end of the day that's the most important thing like make yourself comfortable and make yourself comfortable creating a great system because if you don't you ultimately you're the one that's going to pay for it right this experience is either going to be not as profitable as you thought not as enjoyable as you thought or you're going to go down the rabbit hole of like oh this is not the right thing for me and chances are you just you are not quite executing it as well as you, as you can. hundred percent, hundred percent. And then when you're clear on those timelines, then you can hold them accountable to those timelines. Right. And so if they agree exactly. and it's like, listen, <clears throat> like we're working with a, a muralist out of Miami and I'm like, okay, we're doing X number of rooms, like ballpark, how long would it take? And he's like, I mean, to do all of them, probably like a month. And I'm, he's like, but if I could like live there and work there like full time for a month, like I'm confident I could do it in a month. So I'm like, okay, cool. Then I know that this dude's going to be there for a month. So what do I need to get done first so that he can do that? Or how do I stagger certain rooms so that they can work parallel, but then I can hold them accountable to hitting those. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like setting those timelines, those expectations up front will pay all the dividends and I'll be fully transparent. This is the most stressful part of the whole process. But if you do this right and you build that team, and you get through the build out and then you launch it, that's when your life gets really smooth. When you have the right technology and systems and everything else that we've been teaching you guys on this podcast, the build out by far is the most stressful part. So mm -hmm. if you can plan it out well and have this framework to think through, once you get it live and you start making the money and you have the right team in place, you're good to go. Yeah. And I, and I, love, I love that you said that, but I, I also want to encourage going back to what your guys's vision is for your vacation rental business is understanding if your vision is that this is what you do this is the perfect opportunity for you to start creating documents and systems and processes right it's understanding like anytime you do anything for the first time you should document it with the hope of doing it for the last time right so this way you're like okay what are all the checklists that you create for yourself, those should become official documents that you save. And then you can update, right? So then you know next time you buy a 10-bedroom house, it's like, did I have a checklist for the last time we bought a 10-bedroom house of everything that went into it and all the costs of everything? I did, okay? So you go in there and then you have somewhere to that, that it's, it's actually tangible that you can restart from and, and, and really look at that you can teach to somebody else, right? I just hire somebody else for, for my brokerage. And going back to what Mike was saying, this is the worst part of hiring somebody is the first two to three weeks because you're like, this is so much more work. Like I am working so much more now than I was before. This guy is supposed to be here to make me work less, but it's 
thinking it's again. It's an investment. It's what is, initial investment. And what is my why? Like my why is to train people to do what? Great. Okay. So reconnect to my why. So when I show up on my training call with him every morning, I have to connect with what is my why in hiring him and training him. And what's the purpose that I have for him or her, you know, and connecting to that. And that's how you show up really kind of present every time you're like, okay, I am doing this for this. I am designing this whole place by myself for the first time, but I'm going to create systems because I know I'm doing this because this is what I want to do. And I'm going to create a business that can launch units like this once a month, six months from now. And this template is the beginning of all of that. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, as always, appreciate you, brother. Appreciate all oh, the man. listeners so here. Good. Yeah, we have yeah. some great, great guests coming on uh, that I'm really excited. Uh, I think it's going to be a great way for us to kind of wrap up 2021. Um, and then I'm sure we'll do some interesting shows gearing up for 2022. Both you and I are big on the mindset, visualizing, planning out. Um, so I'd love to hear your vision for 2022. I'm sure there's going to be some incredible things and, and I'm, and I'm wishing that on all the people that kind of listen, listen to our show. So, um, excited to bring those episodes back as well. hundred percent, hundred percent. And for those of you that are looking to get started and you're looking for more resources, make sure that you take advantage of the SDR secret starter pack. It's totally free. We've got a, the deal analyzer that we use. We've got trainings on how to analyze markets, how to analyze properties, a whole bunch of checklists. All you got to do is text resources to 978-242-0001. Again, it's just text the word resources to 978-242-0001. And uh, we'll get you guys hooked up with that. It's, you'll have your own little login portal. Everything's laid out in there. And we're adding new resources and checklists every single week to just help you get started with your short-term rental business. So as always, appreciate you. Get out there, take some action. But there's two different kinds of action, right? There's actually like going out and banging hammers or doing the mental work, like the real action to do all this planning and think through how to build your system, how to build your team and how to be the CEO of your short-term rental business. So that's it for this week, everybody. Take care. We'll see you guys next week. Ciao, guys. Hey, STR Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes, and we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.